0: Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick Podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's just go home now, all right? Man alive, that was really, really good. Thank you, Josh, and worship ministry. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to hold that real quick, hold that. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'm sure that you do, I'm gonna ask that you take them out I want you to go to Acts chapter 13. Go to Acts chapter 13 this morning as we are going to dive very quickly into God's Word Um, as we are going to give him our praise this morning as we read God's Word together um, and as we look at a a subject that is dear to my heart and I hope it will be dear to your heart as well uh, by the end of uh, this morning's uh, message. Acts chapter 13, follow along in your copy of God's Word. Uh, The scripture will be on the screens behind me as well but follow along with me as we read. Acts 13 verse number 1. Now there were at Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were ministering to the Lord, some translations will say worship. I think they had just heard the song that we just sang. I think that's what they were doing. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Um, This morning, um, I want to share with you, or I've titled today's message, Calling Out the Called. Calling Out the Called. And the reason I want to talk about that this morning is really there's three reasons why I want to talk about calling out the called. Uh, Number one, we are in the middle of, we're in between sermon series. As you know, the month of May, there's a lot of specials that take place. Um, Last week, we had our high school graduation uh, recognition uh, ceremony to where um, the now infamous Hayward Kennerly placed a kiss on my cheek. He's never allowed back in our church ever again. <laughs> but we have specials during the month of May, high school graduation, Mother's Day. Um, next week is a Memorial Day, where we remember those who have lost their lives in, in, in battle. And so, uh, so we're in between sermon series. In the month of June, we will start a brand new series called Summer Love, where we're looking at uh, how to love like Jesus. The second reason that I want to uh, talk about this today is, i got to look at my notes because I forgot what the other two reasons are. <laughs> I'm joking, I know what they are, I just want to make sure my notes are correct. Now the second reason that I want to talk about calling out the called is because by the end of this month, or at the end of this summer, I will have completed uh, my seventh year as your senior pastor, which draws me closer Uh, to being 25 years of full-time ministry and over the past week and week and a half um, as um, As I've been reflecting on this message, I, I just began to think what how do I want my next 25 years to go? What do I want that to look like and and I'm reminded of when I first came here One of the things I began to do and I mentioned this to you last Sunday was one of the first things that I did when I became your senior pastor is I began to pray that God would raise up pastors and missionaries through our church. That our church, First Baptist Church Brunswick, that 50 years down the road, we'll turn around and look back at 2021, 20, uh, whatever the year there is, and we'll say, you know what, this is what we see where God raising up men to be pastors, men and women to be missionaries, and it comes from uh, our church. You see, I agree with With Will Houghton, who was the fourth uh, president of Moody Bible Institute when he said this, The highest calling man can know is the call to the Christian ministry. Blessed is the man who feels in his heart the urge to preach the gospel. And as I near the 25-year mark of being full-time at ministry, I'm just burdened for the next generation, I'm burdened that we would see that we as a body of believers, that we would, that we would come together in unity and unison together, that we would see um, uh, young men and young women rise up out of our body, that they would lead the local church. This morning as I was praying over this message um, and as I was just doing some more reading. I came across a book that's in my library. It's called Chriswell's Guidebook for Pastors, written by W. A. Chriswell. Some of you may know that name. He is the he's since passed on to eternity, but was the pastor at First Baptist Church, Dallas, and. But I read this this morning and I thought, oh, this is, this is good because I'm, I'm burdened for um, to seeing pastors come along behind us and continue sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to what Chris Will wrote. I thought this was really, really good. He said this, through the centuries until Jesus comes again, these Christ chosen, Christ sent, Christ given men do and will endow and enrich the churches of our Lord. He's talking about preachers. And he says, this, now he gives this long list of preachers. He said this, In the apostolic age were the great preachers of the Lord, Peter, Paul, Stephen, Philip, uh, Timothy, and Titus. In the anti-Nicene and the post-Nicene age, we have Polycarp, Ignatius, Justin Martyr, uh, Irenaeus, Tertullian, uh, Augustine, Chrysostom. In the pre-Reformation age were John Wycliffe, John Huss, Thomas Cranmer, Hugh Latimer. In the Reformation age you had Martin Luther, John Calvin, uh, Balthazar Hubmeier. In the 17th century you had John Bunyan, Richard Baxter. In the 18th century you had George Wesley, George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards, um, William Carey. In the 19th century you had had, uh, Charles Finney, you had D.L. Moody. In the 20th century, you had uh, George W. Tu- uh, Truett, uh, L.R. Scarborough, R.G. Lee, Billy Sunday. And in the 21st century, you have Chris Winford. <laughs> I'm totally joking. No, but point being, this is what he said Always in all ages, the preacher is there, called of God and proclaiming to the world the truth. Of heaven throughout the centuries there all there have always been men who have been called out of the local church to continue to serve the local church and to faithfully proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and I'm burdened and just desire to see that we be a part of that long list of great preachers who have faithfully preached the gospel message. The third reason why I want to talk about calling out the called is because of this, and I think you'd all be in agreement with this, our world has gone mad. Our world has gone mad. Over the past two weeks, Hamas has bombed Israel, and somehow, way, it's Israel's fault. And some reason, our country was very slow in defending Israel. It took multiple days for anybody to say anything coming to the defense of Israel. As a matter of fact, we have several in our government who came out in support of Hamas and rejecting Israel. Our world has gone mad. This past week also, the White House press secretary called my home state of Texas their heartbeat bill an assault on women's rights folks we've gone mad we've gone mad UFOs are constantly in the news today and many people are more concerned about UFOs we read about it our military um, is interested in that well pastor do you think there are UFOs I, I do but I'm gonna tell you what I think I think they're demonic presences, is what I believe. And I know that the Bible says, quit wasting time on those things, focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we as a church, we need to raise up men who are willing to go on the pastorate to stand firm on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to raise up men and women who are willing to give their lives to go onto the mission field and not be concerned about UFOs, but more concerned about the blood of Jesus Christ. Our world has gone mad. Our world has gone mad because they do not want to hear the truth. Our world has gone mad because they'd rather hear stories rather than the truth. As if personal stories trump the truth. No pun intended with that word trump. That just came out. But Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, in the end days, this is what will happen. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says this to Timothy, a young pastor. He says, the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Our world has gone mad. But throughout history, but throughout history, God has sovereignly called men to be the prophetic voice in a crazy, crazy world. Again, out of Chriswell's book uh, to the pastors, he says this. Lloyd George, a British prime minister during the First World War, declared, when the chariot of humanity gets stuck, Nothing will lift it out except great preaching that goes straight to the mind and to the heart. There's nothing in this case that will save the world but what was once called the foolishness of preaching. The preacher is sent on a heavenly mission, and he is to declare the message of God to the world, whether they will hear or whether they will deny. Church, I believe it is our responsibility as the local church to identify, to equip, and to send out those who are called. That's part of our responsibility, of ours as a church that we would know and identify men for the pastorate, men and women to go into the mission field. We have to identify them. We have to equip them, and then we have to give them our blessings and send them out. In our text this morning in Acts chapter 13, we see the early church doing that exact thing. The early church, from the text that we just read to you, that I just read to you, it has called out the called. Now, I want you to look back with me in verse number two, and I want to answer the question what is a calling? What is a calling? What does that look like? What does it mean to be called? Well, in verse number two, I want you to look with because there's a phrase and a word that I want to point out to you that I think will help us to identify what a call looks like and then how we can see that in the lives of other people. Look at verse number two. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. In your Bibles, I want you to underline that phrase, set apart. Uh, that phrase um, is, an important, uh, is important to us to understand what calling truly means. Now, uh, let's Greek out for just a minute, shall we? Let's Greek out for just a minute because this is going to help us to understand that. That phrase, set apart, it is the Greek word aphorizo, A-P-H-O-R-I-Z-O. And it comes from two Greek words, apo, which means from, and horizo, it means to set a limit. Horizo is where we get our English word, the horizon. So, aphorizo literally means to set apart for a specific purpose or for a limit. So, here in our text, when when uh, these individuals, the early church leaders, and through the Holy Spirit says, You set apart for me. Offeritzo, you take some men from the body and you set them apart. You set them apart for a specific purpose. That, that phrase, set apart, aphorizo, it's used in Matthew chapter 13, it's used in Matthew chapter 25, and it references um, uh, separating the righteous from the wicked. Separate. You get the picture? Aforizo. God says to the Holy Spirit, to the local church, to the early church in Antioch, he says, separate men for my purpose. In the book of Luke, Uh, This phrase, set apart, (aphoriso) is used multiple times, and it references followers of Jesus Christ being different from the world. Meaning, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are to be set apart, you are to be different. And here in our text this morning, we see the early church, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the early church is worshiping. The early church is praying, the early church is fasting, and the Holy Spirit says, you set apart some men, aphorizo. And so very early we can see this, that a call, a call is a separation from the world for a specific purpose. That's a call. It is to be different, and you're to be different for a reason, Look at verse number two, the end of verse number two. We see the word, see another word that I want to point out to you. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the word to which I have, what's that word? Everybody say called. called. Very good. For I have called them. That Greek word is kaleo. And kaleo literally means God is the one calling. It means God calls this word kaleo is used over 100 different times in the New Testament. And when it is used, it references your assignment in life, your purpose in life, your mission in life, the reason that God created you. It's called your calling. Now, if we could do a little bit more diving into the linguistic uh, nature of this word. Now, I've never done this in a sermon before, so you're about to get something new, okay? We can do Hebrew, right? And we can do Greek, Correct. Let's do some Latin, shall we? Look at your neighbor and say, what? Well, here's what's interesting. When you dive into the Latin using this Greek word kaleo, the Latin word is vocare, from which you and I get our English word vocation. So get this. So God through the Holy Spirit, to the local church, says, you set apart, Afarizo, you, you separate for a specific person, a p- purpose, and then he says, uh, separate them for, for the purpose for which I have called them, meaning this, God has called them, God called them to a vocare, to a vocation, to a calling. And so we see the early church We see the early church in Antioch, who already had leaders, they were known as the prophets and the teachers, but then through the power of the Holy Spirit, God said, You set apart some other people for me, and you set apart them for me, because I've called them to a vocation. I've called them. Be separate, be different. You and I, we can we can go all the way back to the book of Genesis, go from Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, and we'll see this: that the Bible is the story of God calling people. Amen. It is the story of God calling people, and it's the story of God calling people, and then people responding to the call. There's always a call from God, and then there's a response. God called Noah; he responded. God called Abraham. Abraham responded. God called Moses. He stuttered, but he responded. God called Nehemiah. Nehemiah responded. God called Isaiah, called Ezekiel. He called Jeremiah. He called called Daniel. He called Hosea. He called Joel. He called Amos. He called the prophets. Uh, They responded. He called Jonah. Jonah ran the other way. Amen? But he came back. But he responded, there was a call and response. God called David, God called Solomon. In the New Testament, God called Peter, Paul, and Mary. <laughs> and they were a, a good band for a little while, but got a little, got a little messed up in the head with some of their lyrics, but, but God called. So in Scripture, here's what you see. You see, God calls, and then we respond. Are you with me? God calls, and then we respond. So? So what are the calls that God has? I mean, if God calls and we respond, surely there's got to be some type of call that God has. Well, uh, there's three calls that I want to reference this morning. Number one, God calls everybody to salvation. Amen? Amen. God calls everybody to salvation. Every person that has ever lived, that is living or ever live, God calls you to salvation. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 17, it says this, God declares that all people everywhere should repent. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus said, come unto me all you who are weary and I will give you rest. God calls all to salvation his call to salvation is not limited his call to salvation is unlimited it is for all people for all nations from all tribes from all races from all eras god's call is for everybody to come to salvation you see the bible again is the story of god reconciling himself to humanity through his son jesus christ and he sent his son jesus for everybody so this morning, maybe, maybe that's the first call for you to respond to, that you respond and you answer to God's call for salvation. But God calls for everybody to come to salvation. The second call that we see in Scripture is this. God calls all followers of Christ, all believers, to minister. God calls all followers of Christ To minister, which means that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you actually are a minister. Look at your neighbor right now and say, No, really, you are a minister. That's what it means. I'm not just the minister of this church, we are all ministers. Whenever you step across the line of faith, you answer the call, you respond to God's call to salvation. As soon as you become a believer in Jesus Christ, You're a minister, you're a servant, you meet needs, you witness to people, you pray with people, you you meet their needs. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this, for we are all God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Meaning this, Jesus Christ, God himself, created you to do good works. That whenever you crossed over the light of faith, you enter the call of God to salvation, you now become a minister. Well, pastor, I really don't see myself as a minister. Well, believe it because it's true. It's the truth, and you must hold on to the truth. Ministry is not for the select few. It's not just for me and my staff to do. Ministry is for every believer of Jesus Christ. I mean, you can look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You can look at Romans chapter 12 there. You see, you see Paul identifies the different gifts that God has given the believers in Jesus Christ. All of us have different gifts. And we're all to use our gifts to build up the body of Christ. That's what I loved what Josh said just a few minutes ago. When it comes to, to worship, we worship to build up the entire body of Jesus Christ. We're a body. And it does no good if you're a bodybuilder or a weightlifter, just go work and do curls on the left arm, but your right arm doesn't do anything. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't work that way because then you become like this. (laughs) May may look pretty cool today. But it doesn't make sense because it's not for the full body. It's not for the whole body. So you've been given gifts to minister so the entire church can be built up. Call to salvation Called call to minister, and here's number three. This is where I wanna spend the next three hours with you this morning. The third one is this. God does call some to serve, as ch- to serve the local church as pastors, missionaries, and or church planters. Are you with me? Are you tracking with me this morning? He does call some to be pastors, to be missionaries, and to be church planters. Uh, Turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. Go to Ephesians chapter 4 with me, please. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Uh, We're going to look at this verse just briefly, but this is the verse that God used to call me into the ministry when I was 16 years old. I was at youth camp at Riverbend Retreat Center in Glen Rose, Texas. I was sitting on the second row. I have no idea who the preacher was. I have no idea what he had to say. No clue. But I know this I remember at that moment, when I was 16 years old, I remember exactly that moment when the Holy Spirit spoke to me through, through an impression. It wasn't an audible voice. I didn't hear these audible words, but, but it, was just, it was just an impression that came over me. And this impression went something like this. It went something like this. It says, I'm calling you to do this, and I'm staring at this guy preaching. I'm calling you to do this. I'm calling you to ministry. I'm calling you to preach. Now, theologians will call that impression an internal call, meaning that call was very intimate between me and the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? And I had something on the inside that spoke to me that I believed to be the Holy Spirit. And so whenever you're called, there is going to be a sense of an internal call, meaning you got to hear something, you got to sense something from the Holy Spirit. Um, Martin Luther, the great reformer, who's one of my heroes in in the faith, he said this about the internal call. He said this, an internal call is God's voice heard by faith. Charles Spurgeon said this about God's call to the ministry. He said this, it is an intense, all-absorbing desire for the work of the ministry. And so when I was 16, second row, Glen Rose, uh, Texas, Riverbend Retreat Center, I had this impression, all of that moment, all of a sudden, I had this intense, all-absorbing desire to be in the ministry. I couldn't explain it. I didn't understand it. But I know at that moment, nothing else made any sense to me but other to be in the ministry. That's an internal call. But from there, from an internal call, I had to move to something external, Let me give you a point. There are too many men and women today who believe they have an internal call from God. They've never shared it with anybody. They've never had any external evidence. And they've never had the local church affirm them. And I'm going to tell you something that's wrong. You know why it's wrong? Because sometimes we can get it wrong internally, amen. You need wisdom. You need wisdom, and I, I will tell you this: can, can I be real honest with you? The, other, the previous parts is all I've been lying. Here's <laughs> here's here's what I want to say. There are a lot of ministries in Brunswick, Georgia. And a great number of them have not been affirmed by local churches. Are you with me? I can't support you. I can't support that. Why? Because we're living in the local church era. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through his son's death, burial, and resurrection, has given the local church the authority. It's the local church. That God has given the authority to, and that God says, "You local church, you raise up the leaders, you train them, you equip them, and you send them out." Well, that was not in my notes. Here we go, Ephesians chapter four, verse eleven. Look at what look at. This is the verse that God used to call me, and maybe He'll call you. And He says this: "And He, God, gave some as apostles and prophets and evangelists as pastors and teachers." So what this tells us is this: is that God's design is that it, is it God give leaders to the local church. Now, I'm not against parachurch organizations. Don't think about that. That's, that's not it. But if you're a parachurch organization, there must be a call and there must be an affirmation from a local church or somebody else. That's, that's in line with Scripture. Ephesians 4 11, it teaches us that, that God raises up and gives leaders to the local church meaning this God calls out certain people and he gives them certain responsibilities within the local church and he calls them to that What are those responsibilities? Look at verse 12 for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ meaning this Ministers those who are leaders in the church. They equip so that you can do the work. Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ Jesus. Those who are called to the local church are to be equipers, but God calls them. God calls them, and he gives them certain responsibilities. So here's what we see. God says to the local church, you set apart, aforizo, you set apart some men for me and the work that I have called them to, kaleo. I have called them for a specific purpose, for a vocation. Where is this to take place? It's to take place in the local church. Well, let's answer the million-dollar question. How do you know if you're called into the ministry. If I'm praying for God to raise up men and women to go into the ministry, and if we as a congregation begin to pray for that, how do we know, how do we identify, how do we equip, and how do we train? Are y'all with me this morning? How do we do that? Let me give you four questions. That you may as, as a young person you may be wrestling with this here's four questions that i want to encourage you to ask yourself and we as a church we have to ask ourselves about the, uh, what we see in others number 1 and i want you to write these down number 1 if you have a sense that you have a sense that you're being called number 1 here's the question do you have the desire meaning this do you have the desire to be in the ministry do, do, you, do you have that desire? Turn over with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes to Timothy, a young pastor, and he says this, It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, that word overseer, that's a bishop or or, or pastor or an elder, he says it is a fine work he desires to do. And this is what Paul is telling Timothy. He's telling this to all of others who who may sense a call to the ministry. He says this, you got to want it. You got to want to be in the ministry. You know why you got to want it? It's hard. It's hard. It's tough, it's difficult. You spend a great portion of your days dealing with people's stuff. I mean, that's just life. And so you gotta want it. You gotta have the desire. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said about this. He said, we must feel that woe is unto us if we preach not the gospel. The word of God must be unto us as fire in our bones. Otherwise, if we undertake the ministry, we shall be unhappy. You got to want it. John Newton says this. John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, he said, the man who is once moved by the Spirit of God to this work will prefer it to thousands of gold and silver, meaning he ain't going to get rich. That's what that means. So that, though he is at times intimidated by a sense of its importance and difficulty, I love this, he says this, he cannot give up. Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of the greatest preachers of the 20th century, um, he pastored Westminster Chapel Chapel in London for about 30 years. Prior to him being in the ministry, he was a doctor. And while he was a doctor, he then wrestled with the call of God into the ministry. Listen to what he said. He said, I would say that the only man who is called to preach is the man who cannot do anything else in the sense that he is not satisfied with anything else. This call to preach is so put upon him and such pressure comes to bear upon him that he says, I can do nothing else, I must preach. Do you have the desire? Do you have the desire, You sense you may have a call, do you have the desire to be in the ministry? And that doesn't mean that you have a desire to take it easy. There's no taking it easy in the ministry. Some of the hardest work that you ever put your mind and your heart and your body to, trust me, this isn't the only moment that I work. (laughs) Right? Ah, pastor, all you do is work on Sunday morning. Yep, that's right. (laughs) Come hang with me do you have the desire? Number two, do you have the qualifications? Do you have the qualifications? If you have a desire to enter into the ministry, are you qualified? Church, we need to listen to the qualifications. I believe this is where many churches get it wrong. And that they identify, equip, and train men or women who don't even meet the qualifications. Meaning, this, that if you don't have the qualifications, then you are not called. Are you with me? Isn't this exciting? I see smiles all over everybody's faces this morning, two of them. Look at the qualifications, and let's see if you meet these qualifications. First Timothy chapter 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 7. And just follow along, we're just going to read through this quickly. It's a trustworthy statement. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, it's a fine work he desires to do. Do you have the desire? Number two, here's verse two. here's Here's the qualifications. An overseer, there's the elder, that's the bishop, that's the pastor. He must be above reproach, which means nothing sticks to you. That you do good. That you do good. You're not in places you don't need to be. Next qualification is the husband of one wife. Clear? <laughs> Temperate, which means you don't give to extremes. You're not high, you're not low, you're you are, you are you're steady, you have a good disposition. Self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, skillful in teaching. This is one of the qualifications, where it says if you're being called into the ministry, it means this, you must be able to teach. Meaning if you can't teach, you're disqualified. Is that that correct? It's correct. Verse number three, not overindulging in wine. Oh, church, hear that, please. Big movement in the church today, especially among younger pastors. Ah, we can drink whenever we want to. Read Scripture. Read Scripture. Do not indulge in wine. Those those in ministry are wise to stay away from wine. Scripture says, do not be drunk, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Pastor or pastors, those who are called. Verse 3, don't be a bully on Facebook. That's what it says in Greek. Be gentle, not contentious, which means don't pick fights. Goodness gracious, how many times do we pick fights over nothing that doesn't make a hill of beans regarding salvation? Are you with me? Come on. Don't be contentious if you're going to be in the ministry. Free from the love of money. Verse 4, he must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. Girls, do I do that? Say yes. Very good. Yes. They're asleep. They have no idea that I asked them a question. They had dance all day yesterday, so they worked hard. I'm glad they're here. Uh, Jump down to verse number 6. And not a new convert... If you're a relatively new convert, you're not called into the ministry. You got to give it time. There's got to be training. And we as a church, we have to understand that. Verse 6, so that he will not become conceited and fall into condemnation. Verse number 7, and he must have a good reputation with those outside the church. So, those of you who are here today, how do you measure up? How do you measure up with these qualifications? One of the things that I love and I appreciate about 1 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 7 is this. A qualification for the ministry, it does not include charisma. Are you with me? It also does not include visionary leadership. It's a big move. We focus on leadership and vision. I, I, I agree with that. I don't see that in verses one through seven. Are you with me? It's a great trait to have. I think we need that. But if you're going to be in the ministry, God is concerned about your character. And this is what we see. I don't see you have to be a great public speaker. Praise God for that. But church, if we are to look for godly leaders, and if those of you here this morning, you're wrestling with the ministry, you have to look at these qualifications. And we must not, church, we must not look for leaders, future leaders or future ministers, we must not look at them and evaluate them as the world does. We're on a different spectrum. And the world, excuse me, the church desperately needs godly men to lead the church, godly men and women to go out on the mission field and be faithful to God and to God alone. Do you have the desire? Do you have the qualifications? Number three, do you have the giftings? Do you have the giftings? And let me tell you this, I gotta speed up. I gotta hurry up. Somebody's roast is burning. <laughs> Couple more questions and it'll be done. Do you have the giftings? And let me, let me explain this by way of a story. When I was a, in the middle school or freshman in high school, a college student in my home church, so Second Baptist Church in La Mesa, Texas, went to the senior pastor whose name was brother Clifton Igo and he said I have an internal call I think God's calling me to the ministry brother Igo did the right thing he counseled him he walked with him and then he said this now you're going to preach so he let the entire church know and that Sunday night all the church came out to listen to this man preach his name was Joe and we all were there, I was there, and, and to this day, we have no idea what he said. We have no idea what he said. He, my, I, I love Joe, I know Joe, I know his, I know his family, but could not even read his notes. Would not even look at the congregation when he would speak. And he preached a really long message, like this one. And he didn't know how to end, and it just went on and on and on, much like this one. No clapping on that one, all right. <laughs> but to make to make to to wrap that story up, um, he didn't have the he didn't have the giftings. He didn't have the skill set. Listen, if you're called to the ministry, God has given you a skill set. A couple of questions you might want to ask yourself. Can you speak clearly? Do you enjoy being around people? If you don't, do you like to read? A lot of times you're going to be reading. Do you like to teach all kinds of people in all kinds of settings? Is that what you want? Is that what you desire? Do you have the desire? Do you have the qualifications? Do you have the giftings? And lastly, here's it. Do others affirm the call? Do others see it in you? In the New Testament, there are no rogue ministers. Nobody goes rogue. You don't go out on your own and do whatever you want to do as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are no self-appointed ministers. You read it. Read the New Testament. It all takes place within the local church. They call them, and they send them out. And I believe this, church, and if you are here today and you wrestle with the call, I believe this, that you have to have others affirm that call in you. But you don't go asking for it. Does that make sense? You don't ask for it. Hey, do you think I'm called to the ministry? Well, by the mere fact that you ask that question, you might need to work on some other things. Does that make sense? But you need the local church to affirm that in you. And so that means for us as a church, whenever we see young people who are on stage, they lead worship and or or they play and and then they may not play the music that we like or we enjoy but we see a gifting in them that means we as a church we have a responsibility to go out to them man that's pretty good even if it's bad you say that's good i mean it's our responsibility church When a young person or somebody uh, teaches a Sunday school class they've never done it before, they're nervous as they'll get out of. It means you and we as a church, we have a responsibility to come along beside them and we affirm them, we encourage them, and we tell the truth. We just tell the truth. Because we have a responsibility in raising up godly pastors and godly missionaries right here at First Baptist Church Brunswick. And that's my desire. Every time I think about a call to the ministry, I always think about this story. And I'm gonna close with this one, I promise you. This is it, last story. I'm always reminded of a a football team that was uh, playing against the biggest team they've ever faced in their life, huge. The Middle of the game, the head coach calls a play. He calls the play to hand the ball off to the running back whose name is Jones. Hand the ball off to Jones, run right up the middle team huddles up, quarterback calls the play in the huddle. They break the huddle. They snap the ball and the quarterback doesn't hand the ball off to Jones. He runs around the end and he just gets clobbered. The coach is furious. I said give Jones the ball. He calls the same play. Quarterback huddle calls the same play, break the huddle, go to the line, snap the ball. The quarterback drops back and throws a pass to the wide receiver and it is dropped. At this point, the coach is absolutely furious. Coach gets halfway out on the field. He says, I told you, give Jones the ball. About that time, the running back, Jones, steps out of the huddle. and He says Coach, Jones don't want the ball. <laughs> Listen, when God calls, take the ball. When God calls, take the ball. Pastor, you don't understand, that that opposing team, they're pretty big, it's not the issue. When God calls, you take the ball. This morning, somebody may need to take the ball of salvation, God's called you to salvation. Take the ball. Take the ball and run with Jesus. He died for you. He bled for you. He came so that you may have life and have it to the fullest. Why don't you take that ball and run with Jesus? Give your life to him. The Bible says that today is a day of salvation. Will you take the ball? There may be others here today and you've been a believer in Jesus Christ, but but you haven't been ministering. Will you take the ball? and minister, minister within your small group, minister to your neighborhood, minister, be Jesus. And then there may be a group of people here this morning or maybe you're watching and maybe you've sensed the call. You've sensed the call to full-time vocational ministry or to the mission field. Will you take the ball? And here's what I wanted to help you in that group. I'm going to ask you to do this. If you have sensed a call, I'm going to ask you to text the word, I'm called. It's on the screen behind me to the number 84576. There's a couple of questions on there, and I want you to fill that out. It's going to come to me, and I and the staff want to help you discern the call so that you can run with the ball. We need godly leaders and we need them in the local church because we have the answer for a hurting world. At First Baptist Church Brunswick we need to be a part of bringing the solution to our world and so church as a whole will you commit to praying that we raise up pastors and missionaries? are willing to give their life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you do that? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you're a God who calls, and I pray today that we would respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.